0: Read a verse to you this passage, I believe in my opinion, this is pure opinion, um, this is the most needed passage for this generation. It's Isaiah chapter 55 Isaiah 55 verses eight and nine. Listen to what God says. He says, "For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I think this is so, so big for this generation, for us in this room, for the church to understand today, that God says his thoughts are not the same as our thoughts. We live in a time when everyone wants to get on Twitter and share their thoughts, because they believe their opinions and their way of thinking is so profound And everyone believes they have something to say. Many of you maybe even came here today going, man, I wish I could get on that stage because I have some things to say. Everyone has this Facebook page where they, they put their thoughts. Everyone's starting some sort of blog where they share their thoughts. And we'll go to different places and we'll listen to people share their thoughts. And they really believe in what they're teaching. And so much of today's theology, I've read these these books where people are questioning doctrines that we've held for centuries. And the way they argue for so many of these things is, look, I would never do this, so why would God do it? I would never, they, they, they use their own thinking and own reasoning And yet God makes it so clear, he goes, you know what? Your thoughts, they're not the same as mine. In fact, the Bible says in that verse, as high as the heavens, okay, the heavens, he's talking about the stars, he's talking about everything you see up there. So so even the sun, which is relatively close to us compared to the other stars and planets out there, the sun, is 93 million miles away right now. I don't know what kilometers that is, but a lot more than that, okay. So 93 million miles away is this ball of fire. So imagine how far away that is from us. And God says, the way that I think my thoughts, that's how much higher my thoughts are than yours. That's why this book is so important and so precious to me. Because when I get alone in the morning, I don't sit there and just think out of my own mind or my own heart or my own desires. Why would I do that? God says my thoughts are infinitely beyond yours. And my ways are not your ways. We need to humble ourselves. I know this is a generation that has a real struggle with the idea of truth because they believe that they can find their version of truth and they believe their own thoughts and they value their own thoughts. And that's why I love that passage. God reminds me that the next time someone goes, hey, you wanna know what I think? I just go, not really. I mean, who cares? Who cares what you think? Who cares what I think? Who cares what I feel? Who cares what I think is right? I'm a human being that's existed for 50 years. And God says his thoughts are eternal and immeasurably greater than mine. And it's time for us to stop listening to all the opinions and even even valuing speakers like me and just saying, you know what, just just open the word to me. Just open this book. There's a a passage in Ecclesiastes that uh, I also love. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 is such a good reminder to me. He says this, Ecclesiastes five, verse one. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know that they are doing evil. Do not be rash with your mouth nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. He says, let's be careful when we come into the sanctuary of God. When we come into the presence of God We live in a time when everyone is quick to speak. And like that verse says, they, they offer the sacrifice of fools. They just start talking because they don't know that they are doing evil. Man, I take that passage seriously because I go, God, I don't wanna walk on that stage and just start talking. Because I may be saying things that you don't want me to say. That's why I had you pray for me. Because I don't want to lead you in any direction that is wrong. I don't want to, because Francis has desires. Like, I want you to like me. That's just my human nature. I want to be liked. I want to be accepted. I want to be popular. And so then I may say things to get a reaction that is favorable towards me and that's a scary thought that I would come on a stage and draw attention to myself and God says, when you get up there, be careful with your mouth, guard your lips. You may start talking and not even realizing that you're doing something evil. God is in heaven and his thoughts are as high as the heavens are above the earth. That's how much higher his thoughts are than your thoughts. I was thinking about that this morning. I woke up at three because that's what jet lag does. And I just, my mind started spinning and thinking about this morning. And uh, thinking about this passage. And going, God, I want to spend the majority of the time just focusing on your thoughts. I want us to bow to this book. Because, sure, like I said yesterday, I can come here and give you some thoughts, and a lot of them may be good, and maybe a little bit better than yours, or whatever. Um, but we didn't come here for that. We came to come before God and his thoughts. Isaiah 66, 2 says, that second half of that verse, but to this one I will look, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word.
1: Okay, this is, this is God.
0: God. Speaking, He goes, this is the one, this is the, when I'm looking for a servant, when I'm looking for someone to bless, when I'm looking for a messenger, here's the person I want. This is the person that God desires, the one who is humble, who's contrite, and trembles at his word. What I'd like us to do this morning is I'm actually gonna have my wife come up and help me read because my voice is just shot but partly, um, I don't know where she is. Oh, there she is. Okay. Partly because I want to join you. Okay? She's not going to come up here and preach. I'm just going to have her read some passages of Scripture so that collectively, we together can just tremble. At, I mean, can you imagine if right now, God tore open the roof of this place, and spoke to us from heaven. How intently would you be listening? And wouldn't you hang on every word and tremble? The Bible says that's what we're supposed to do when we hear the word of God. God says, that's the person that I look up to. See, in the world, we look up to people that are flashy, that are gifted, that are, you know, uh, able, rich, successful. God says, here's the one I look up to. The person that's actually humble and contrite, and when the word of God is spoken, they tremble at it. When is the last time you trembled at the word of God? I wanna tremble with you today. I wanna be reminded all over that God's thoughts are so far beyond us. And I wanna tremble with you. I wanna start off having Lisa read a description of heaven, okay? And I know some of you are familiar with this passage, it's Revelation 4. You may want to close your eyes. You may want to look at the screen and look at the scriptures. But whatever you do, let's tremble at this together. Let's not just go, okay, it's the Bible reading time. Go ahead and read it and then you know, tell me a funny story. Tell me a, you know, no, 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 no. This is the most significant thing we can do is listen to God's words. This is John, the apostle, describing what he saw when he entered into heaven. So this God, who is far beyond us, says this. Let's, let's tremble as though he spoke this from heaven.
1: After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here. And I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder, and before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God." who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created.
0: This is going on in heaven right now. Those high angels are screaming out, Holy Holy, holy, that means you are different from us. You are set apart from us. You are so far beyond us. Your thoughts are so far beyond our thoughts. No one cares what the humans are thinking. No one cares what any of those angels are thinking right then. They're just staring at the throne and going, this being. He's so holy. This is why we need to devalue our opinions, our thoughts about ourselves because he's holy. This morning I was supposed to give a talk on the the two most deadly lies of this generation. And as I prayed about it this morning, I thought it's better if I just focus on one, okay? We live in a time when um, we don't understand that God's ways are different from ours, that he's a completely different being And so he thinks differently than us. And it's for that reason that there's been a statement that's flying around a lot where people say, well, if God is a loving God, then how could he ever punish? This is so deadly. Because people, they define love however they define it. They go, well, if I'm a loving person, I would never cast judgment on someone else. And they reason based upon their own feelings. And we live in a time where we don't really believe in punishment. And so we go, well, since I don't punish and I don't feel that way, and I define love as you cannot love someone and also pour out wrath, on others then that must be true of God but you guys again where did you get that thinking from here why because you've been alive for 20 years and and, and your your opinion matters that much I want us to go to the Word of God this, this morning I was reading some some passages um, about the wrath of God. Do you know that there are over 600 passages about the wrath of God? Just in the Old Testament. Do you realize that 600 passages about God's wrath? And What I was reading this morning was, um, I'll just read it to you. This isn't on the screen, but they're pretty fast. Uh, Revelation 19 Revelation 19 in verses 1, one through three. It says this: "After this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, "Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belongs to our God, for His judgments are true and just." For he has judged the great prostitute who has corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. Once more they cried out, hallelujah. The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. It's worship going on in heaven. They're saying hallelujah. But what are they saying hallelujah about? His judgment, his wrath, they're singing hallelujah, the smoke from her rises up forever and ever. They're praising God because of his wrath that has fallen. And I thought, does anyone in 2019 ever praise God for his wrath? When's the last time we sang a song like that? I don't know if that's on the new album. You know, it's, it's, cause we, who wants to sing a song about wrath? Yet in this book, it's over and over. If you read some of the songs in this book, if you read some of the Psalms in this book, they're about the wrath of God. God is, see, we are, we're, we're ashamed. I believe many of us are embarrassed of God's wrath. We don't want to talk about it. And if we're going to share Jesus to someone, we're not going to tell them about that side of God. It's almost like we're embarrassed of that. It's almost like if your father is a drug addict and you want to hide that side of him to your friends. I don't want you to know that he beats my mom. I don't want you to know what he does to me. I, I want to protect my dad. And we almost have that mentality with God where his wrath is something we're embarrassed of. So we're not going to sing about it. In fact, there are many books today that are saying, well, you know, did he really mean that? Did he really mean this? Did he really mean this? You know, this wrath of God. I mean, I wouldn't punish my children that way. If I created something, I wouldn't destroy it like that. And some of you guys are thinking, well, how could we miss something that is, just in the Old Testament, over 600 times talked about and emphasized. I'll tell you how we do it. We don't want to talk about it. And a lot of us don't read the Bible cover to cover. And so all we do is listen to sermons. And then guys like me, we don't really want to preach about the wrath of God. In fact, I have worked in churches where they have specifically told me, do not talk about hell. I've even preached on the wrath of God and had the senior pastor once say, do not preach that same message this next service. Come up with something new. Because people won't understand that. We don't need to spread that message about God. As though we are like his caretakers and hiding certain parts of him that he gladly talks about and believers all through time spoke about. It's just this new generation. I mean, even when I was a kid, talking about hell was a normal thing. Talking about the wrath of God was a normal thing. And just in my lifetime, I've seen it change so much where now it's this taboo subject and now it's even in certain churches, they don't let us talk about it. I'll tell you how we miss it even the stories that talk about his wrath, we somehow overlook it. Here's a perfect example. When our first child was born, Rachel, we decorated a little nursery for her. And there's a little, it was a painting, right? On the wall, we had someone paint Noah's Ark on the wall. Right, that's a great kids thing to have in the room, an ark, with a little giraffe sticking his head out the window, right, here, you know, and Noah's up there with his little bird, or whatever, you know, and all these animals on the ark, because that's what Noah's ark is about. What we didn't have our friend paint was the millions of people drowning under the ark. Okay, did we forget that Noah's ark is about God regretting that he ever made mankind and say, I'm gonna kill every single one of them. Oh yeah, that's just a little detail of the story. That God looked at all of mankind and it says he was grieved when he saw their wickedness that he would ever make them. And so he sends a flood and kills them all. But we skip that part, right? Let's get to the good part. Noah, the one family that made it, and the giraffe that stuck his head out the window, right? I'm not saying go home and paint all people dying and your kids, but I'm just saying, isn't it crazy how we just want to focus on what we want to focus on? And some of the other things make us uncomfortable. You think I wanted to preach about God's judgment today? You think I woke up and thought, oh man, I can't wait. They're going to love this. And if you saw the title for the sermon next week, you know, on Sunday morning is the wrath of God, are you going to be like, oh man, this is what I'm going to bring all my friends to. Right? because there are just certain things we don't like. And, and people went, well, you're, you're talking about the Old Testament and you're talking about how, you know, you know, like the 600 references you're talking about, that's all Old Testament. Everything's different in the New Testament. Oh yeah. You ever read the book of Revelation and how this ends? It's really cute, isn't it? Yeah, God's wrath is totally gone. He's totally different. He had a kid and everything just mellowed out No, have you actually read the words of Jesus? I'm not talking about just listen to sermons. Have you actually read the words of Jesus? Jesus speaks about hell and judgment more than anyone. More than anyone in scripture. Jesus is the one that describes that when you die there's this chasm that you can't go back and forth from. It's just divided. One, he tells a story uh, about the rich man who's like, come on, just just dip your, your, my tongue in just a little bit of water. Dip your finger in some water and just put it on my tongue because I'm in so much agony in this place. Jesus tells this story. Jesus tells a story about those you know, at the end where he's just going to separate the goats and the sheep. And he says, and one group will go to eternal reward, whereas the other one will go to eternal torment. This is God speaking. These are his thoughts. But we don't like to talk about it. Let's just listen and let's just tremble at the words of God.
1: And another angel, a third, followed them saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast and its image, and receives a mark on his forehead, or on his hand, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night, these worshipers of the beast and its image, and whoever receives the mark of its name.
0: Because the book of Revelation talks about a time that is coming when people cannot buy or sell unless they get the mark. And I just have to, I know I wanna to stay to the word of God, but I just have to share this one thought with you. A couple weeks ago, I was with one of the ambassadors from the U.S. Um, He's actually in charge of religious freedom. He's the one that, uh, you know, reports to the UN. And he was just sharing some of his concerns. He says, the number one concern right now, he says, is he goes, you know what's happening in China? He goes, in this one province with about 12 million people, he says, they now have cameras every 100 yards in this province, for 12 million people, every 100 yards is a camera with artificial intelligence, facial recognition, so they can see every single person that enters a house church, every single person that enters a mosque, they know. And they have the capability now to actually tie that person's face to a social credit score. To where if they see you going into this mosque, your score drops. And at a certain point, they can take away your job, take away your home, and they're watching every move you make. And he says the reason why this is so terrifying, this is because this isn't a movie, this is happening right now. And then what's going to happen is then they can lower the scores of everyone. So let's say I walk into a mosque in China and they see my face. Not only they lower my score, but now they have the whole social network. It's all tied to Facebook and everything else and all the people I'm associated with. And now they're afraid to be associated with me. And you can see exactly what Jesus talks about in the end times, how brother's gonna betray brother and father's gonna betray son. And here in Revelation, he saying, it gets so bad that you won't even be able to buy or sell without receiving this mark. And he's saying that the problem is other countries now want the same technology and it's there. And so he's trying to go to the UN and just explain to them the dangers of what's going on. So this stuff that I used to study when I was in high school, like yeah, that's gonna be a weird day. When that happens, I'm going, it's here. Not only that, okay, sorry. One more thing, I said one thought, but this is like the second half of the same thought. I've been working with a group that I just love, they're called Illuminations. And what they are doing right now is they've gotten the different Bible translation ministries, you know, like Wycliffe, Tyndale, American Bible Society, and they're working together to get the Bible translated to the final languages on earth. They're all working together now. And they say within the next 10 years, for the first time in human history, the Bible will be in every language known to man. Okay, that's exciting. But it's also a little bit scary that in our lifetime that's it's never happened in history and if you take you know revelation literally it's saying the gospel will be preached to every nation and then the end will come so i'm just saying this is a unique time that we're living in and the bible says that the last days will be just like the days of noah And he says people will be buying, selling, eating, drinking, kind of doing their thing, and then the end's gonna come and they're not even gonna be ready for it. That's why I had to throw that out there because so many people are so illiterate with the scriptures now that they don't even know these things are prophesied in scripture. And if you know them, then you look at all these things that are happening, and the Bible says when everyone else is terrified, you have to actually lift up your head because your redemption is near. See, I don't look at all those things that are happening in the world and going, oh no, oh no, oh no. I look and I go, whoa, this is insane. Everything I've studied my whole life is now coming to pass. Christ is coming, this everything just seems like it's set up, so I better be serious. And so these passages about this coming wrath of God Man, I'm more sure of these than ever because I'm looking at prophecy being fulfilled before my very eyes. Man, I remember one of the first heroes I had as a Christian was Josh McDowell. Man, as a teenager, I was reading and studying evidence that demands a verdict, and I was preaching that book as a teenager because I'm looking at the prophecies and because my, my, my parents raised me to be very skeptical, and there's got to be proof, and I'm reading this book and sharing with my friends. Come on, look at how could they have known? How could the biblical authors have known about the coming of Christ, about the crucifixion, about the resurrection? How could they have nailed to the day the death of Jesus Christ 483 years before? How could they know this? And it just gave me a boldness, a courage. And now, I'm looking at current events and looking what the scriptures say, and I'm like, okay, this is gonna happen, this is gonna happen, and it looks like it's gonna happen soon. And that's why we have gatherings like this that hopefully you wake up and realize, wow, the return of Christ is real, and the judgment of God is real, and I need to get ready for it.
1: Then I saw heaven opened, and behold a white horse And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead, come gather for the great supper of God, to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men the flesh of horses and their riders and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army. And the beast was captured and with it the false prophet
0: Ever since the beginning of time, prophets of God had two jobs. Every prophet was given two jobs. This is what you do if you're a prophet. One, you tell the people of all the blessings they could have if they obey the word of God. And your second job is warn the people of all the punishment coming their way if they disobey the word of God. That was it, every prophet, study the prophets. What did all of them do? Hey, if you obey him, here's what you get. And if you disobey him, here's what you get. It's blessing and cursing. That's what the Bible is filled with. In fact, we go through the Bible every year and this year I decide I'm gonna have two highlighters with me and I'm highlighting in blue every time there's a promise of blessing and I'm highlighting in red every time there's a warning of punishment coming my way. And it's amazing how it's like 50, 50. In, in fact, in Deuteronomy 11, when, when the Israelites finally go into the promised land, remember what they do? They put half of Israel on Mount Gerizim, and they put the other half of Israel on Mount Ebal. And, and from one mountain, they're screaming out the blessings of God if we obey. And from the other mountain, they're screaming out the curses of God if we disobey. Hey, bless, and everyone would amen each of them. What did Jesus do when he came and he gave the Sermon on the Mount? Blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are these, blessed are these, blessed are these, then woe to those, woe to those, woe to those. It's blessing, woe, blessing, woe, blessing, curse, that's what every prophet did all through history till now. Now we just preach one half. Why? What happened in just the last few decades? Why suddenly the turn? I believe a big reason is we've become addicted to popularity. We love being liked. This is a generation that wants to be famous more than any generation before where everyone wants to get, we we measure people by how many Twitter followers they have, right? People boast, this is how many people follow me. You start preaching the wrath of God, let's see how many followers you get, okay? Start posting all the verses on God's wrath and see how many people follow you after that. We're addicted to popularity. See, the prophets back then lived some pretty lonely lives, right? The Bible says the last days are going to be like the days of Noah. Was Noah a very popular person? And so if we're living in those times, I want to be one of those Noahs. I want you to be one of those Noah's. The Lord needs more Noah's on this earth, willing to step up and not be embarrassed. And actually in, God doesn't warn, like I don't warn my kids because I hate them. Why do I tell my, 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 my son, the other day someone bought him these ninja swords and I'm like, why, what are you gonna do with those? But then one day, Lisa was gone, and I had all the kids, and trying to think of something to do, I go, I know what we'll do. We'll go to the market, and we'll ask for all of the rotten fruit, and we'll play fruit ninja in real life. (laughs) And so I got all the kids in the backyard, and my son's got his ninja swords. He's so excited, you know, and I've got my seven-year-old with a video camera with my iPhone right in front of him, and me and my son-in-law are just going to start throwing fruit at him. You know, and he's gonna just try to cut every piece that comes his way. And then it struck me like, this is actually really dangerous. (laughs) You know, like, and so what did I do? I I said, hey, 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 stop. stop." I'm like, Zeke, look at me. Look me in the eye right now, okay? This is not one of those times where you can just kinda listen to me. You need to listen to me. Don't you dare let go of one of those swords, okay? Don't get so caught up in the game that, and, and plus, don't try this at home, it was a dumb idea. It was fun, but it was, it's dumb, don't, don't try this. But I was like, look, if you let go of one of those swords, if it slips out of your hand, your little sister is right there. Okay, this is really dangerous. So you just grip those swords. He's like, okay, okay, you got this? Yeah, why did I warn him so severely Because I hate him? No, because he's playing with fire right now. And again, it was a dumb idea. Everything worked out fine. And he actually did really well. We had a great time, very bonding as a family. But, don't do it. But I will say, like, why do I warn? Because it's terrifying. And why does God warn us about his own wrath? He's saying, look, this is, I love you. He says he doesn't take pleasure in the death of the wicked. But this is his word, and we are supposed to preach the whole counsel of his word. And that includes his wrath. And I'll be honest, I've spent a few years embarrassed of his wrath. And I'm just, I feel like I'm just being freed of that and saying, you know what? My God is an amazing God. He's a God of love, but he's also a holy God. And part of that holiness has to do with his wrath, and at the end times, the angels and everyone in heaven will be worshiping him as he pours out his wrath, and I'm one of those people. Now, would I ever do that? Do I, you know, dream about having the birds of the air eat the flesh of all these dead people, no? but I also would not come up with having my one and only son die for the sins of other people. See, my thoughts are not the same as God's thoughts. My ways are not as high as his ways. I wouldn't think to forgive all of you and have my son pay for it,
1: but you see, his
0: thoughts are different, they're higher. And so when you hear these following verses about the wrath of God, and we just have time to focus on a few, Just remember, this is what God says about himself as a warning of like, yes, I'm loving, I care, but there's this other very real side of me that you need to understand. Jump to 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 6 through 10.
1: Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you, and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed, because our testimony to you was believed. Nahum 1. The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries and keeps wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and the Lord will by no means clear the guilty. His way is in whirlwind and storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry. He dries up all the rivers. Bashan and Carmel wither. The bloom of Lebanon withers. The mountains quake before him. The hills melt. The earth heaves before him. The world and all who dwell in it. Who can stand before his indignation? Who can endure the heat of his anger? His wrath is poured out like fire, and the rocks are broken into pieces by him. Zephaniah chapter 1. The great day of the Lord is near, near and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty man cries aloud there. A day of wrath is that day, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet blast and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the lofty battlements. I will bring distress on mankind so that they shall walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust, and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them on the day of the wrath of the Lord. In the fire of his jealousy, all the earth shall be consumed, for a full and sudden end he will make of all the inhabitants of the earth. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. the faithless, the detestable. As for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death.
0: I just want to read one last passage to you. This is what I want us to end on. Um, It comes from the book of Romans.
1: Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself. On the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury.
0: You know, the, yesterday we talked about sin, some things that may be going on in the church and in your life. And what that passage says in Romans 2, he says, do you understand that God has been patient? Verse 4, he's been patient with you. And he says, the kindness of the Lord should lead you to repentance. Repentance. We love that verse. We love that God's kindness and his patience with you, that you're still alive today and you have a chance to repent. That's good, good. God's been kind, God's been kind. But the very next verse, in verse 5, he says, but because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself. Okay, so yes, here's this blessing, a God who's kind and and he'll forgive you and it's been his goodness, so turn, turn, turn. But here's a warning, if you don't turn, you're actually storing up more and more wrath for yourself for when that day comes. Guys, blessing, warning, these are the scriptures. We need men and women to rise up in this generation because this could really be Generation Z, the last generation. There's no other letters to the alphabet. I don't think it's coincidental that we are Generation Z. What, do we go to the numbers next? You know, it's just, there's a very, I'm not, listen, people go, oh, but the Bible says you don't know the day or the hour. So why are you prophesying, you know, are you just, I go, yeah, that's true. No one knows the day or the hour, but God also confronts people because they don't know the seasons. And he gave us some warnings because we're supposed to see the signs and the seasons of the end. And it could be our generation, and it's our generation then that needs men and women to rise up and be like Noah. Jesus said something very interesting. He says, if you're ashamed of me, he goes, if you confess me, I'll confess you before my Father. But he says, whoever's ashamed of me and of my words, I'll be ashamed of him before the Father and the holy angels. And that's why I stand before you today and give you a message that the world looks at and they hate what I'm saying and I'm okay with it. I'm okay. I'll be hated by the world. I'm okay with that. I'm no longer gonna be ashamed of him and his words. Jesus Christ is returning and he's coming to take his bride, to wipe every tear away from us, and he's coming back to judge the world. And it's a terrifying judgment. And I say that because I love you And I pray that you are not storing up wrath for yourself, but that today if you hear his voice, that you'll turn to this kind, gentle, and forgiving God. Because a loving God, according to his word, can also be a God of wrath. And there will come a day, I hope you've at least seen it in his word today. Father, right now from heaven, Give us the wisdom to just stop listening to all the lies in the world, to stop being embarrassed of who you are. You're an awesome God. Hallelujah. You are going to come back and you are going to destroy. And there is a day when the smoke of their torment will go up forever and ever and the angels will be worshiping, Lord. So give us that heart. Help us to understand your wrath in such a real way that we can learn to worship you for it, not in spite of it. And give us courage to warn the people we love